I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, um, family and friends. I hope it was full. I hope it was uh, memorable. Uh, my family took off in the cursed Sequoia on Wednesday for Atlanta. It's a cursed Sequoia because we have a standing joke in our family that every time that car hits Georgia soil, it breaks down. There's literal, it's documented, whether it's tires or fuel injection. And so last Thanksgiving, we had to leave the thing in Atlanta, come back, you know, in, in, in another car. So when we leave, you know, I always say, Let's, who wants to pray for our trip? No one wants to pray for the trip when we're in the Sequoia. Uh, I, I want you to know we, we made it back without uh, vehicle drama or incident. But there was other drama you know, on a trip like that. Um, we had, Lisa had suggested to me, uh, gosh, some three weeks ago, uh, how about uh, we get a Christmas tree on our, on our way back uh, from Atlanta and let's get it on our way home. That way we can get it up. And Lisa's driving for the family traditions. We've always done this. Let's keep, keep it going, you know. And uh, when, when we left Atlanta, I thought to myself, I'd like to, I, I'd, I'd like to do that. So I, I said, you know, hey, let's, let's, let's do that heading back. Well, five hours later, uh, after driving through Atlanta traffic, after going through Chattanooga had, had traffic, we're about 30 miles south of Franklin, you know, coming up, and I nudged Lisa, who'd been sleeping the whole time, hey, how about, uh, I do not feel like going to Costco, I just want to go home. And you'd have thought an alarm went off in the car, because suddenly everyone who had been sleeping the whole way is awake and has an opinion. What about, I want to go home, you know, don't want to stop at Costco, we got to do this, and on and on it goes, it headed south very, very quickly, and then, uh, you know, in back of my mind, Lisa had this idea about the Costco tree, but in, in back of my mind, I didn't say this to her, but you know, the, the problem I have with the Costco tree is you don't know what you're getting, because they're just wrapped up, it's just, you get this height, and so I just said, how about we stop, and we always don't get a Lowe's, how about we stop at Lowe's, that way you can see the thing, you know, pick the one you want. It's not, you know, one-sided with the side that doesn't have any limbs or anything. And, and, and Lisa goes, oh, no, no, you know, if you get a tree like that, that just is character. And once again, you know, the peanut gallery, how all has a voice and what, you know, what's the tree going to look like this year? And what comes to my mind and came then was, was uh, Andy Williams as he sang, it's the most wonderful time of the year. You know where he goes with this, with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you, be of good cheer, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. And then it goes here, which I never understood. It's the what? Hap, ha, who comes up with that? Hap, happiest time of the year, the season. He goes on and on. And I, I literally want to go, really? Really? It really is? Now, I'd been thinking about this message. And so it was on my mind. Is This is the most wonderful time of the, this is the hap, happiest season of all? Of all? Well, I'm not going to Scrooge the morning this, you know, today, but I want us to consider something because I do think that there's something that goes on in this season that's true of all of life, that there's two things going on in our Christmas season. They're, they're both true, they're, both, they're simultaneous, but they don't get along. It is a joyful time. Let's go there. It's happy. Absolutely. It is the season 
of our Savior's birth. It's worth rejoicing. I want to suggest at the same time, even that very thing, as I'll come to in a moment, reminds us in a strange way, it's also the hard, hardest time of the year. It certainly can be. And as we move into Advent, which means coming, which means preparing for His coming, I want to say to you, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here to say, you know, it's, it's great and it's not so great. I want to say to you, that's not just normal. It's right. And it's good that it's that way. The question becomes this. How do we, how do we hold to a hope? I'm going to light the hope candle in a moment. How do we hold to a hope that encompasses the rejoicing and the remiss that the season brings? How, how do we hold both? Well, the answer is actually in the Advent celebration, and in a part of it that we often miss. I'm going to need your help with the message this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something if you would. You don't have to. I think it will, will help you, help us. Everyone needs a program, okay? So we've got the ushers here with programs. Everyone needs a program or something to write on, even just something to write on, and you need something to write with. So if you have to share a pen, that's fine, but we also have pens, so again, this is, you know, this is family devotion time. So let's take our time right here. I'm going to give you some moments. You've got a hand up. We're going to give you a pen. You need a pen, something to write on. And of course, we have the programs you can write on. I'm going to ask you to do something. Then we're going to set it aside. We'll come back to it in a moment. Just keep your hands up. We've got guys over here. that We'll, we'll get these to you. I know this is the, the, you know, our biggest time that we gather. And so we'll, we'll spread out. Keep your hand up. I'm going to keep talking. They're going to keep coming to you. Here's what I want everybody to do. If you would, I want you to take the program or sheet of paper, and I want you to draw a line down the middle. So on the program, here's going to go right here. On the program, you know where you're taking it? Just a line right down the middle. You guys keep your hands up. We'll get them to you. i got a bunch on the front row here trying to get to. Um, you're going to draw a line down the middle of that program or that sheet of paper. Draw a line right down the middle. We're getting there. We get this side covered and we'll get this side. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Okay, you got a line down the middle. Of, so you got two columns, a left and a right. I'm going to give you a few minutes right now to, to do somewhat of a, 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 a mind Download. I'm going to em empty your mind, so to speak, of everything that's on your mind related to Christ is coming. He's, his birth is 25 days away. This is how we celebrate. I, I've got things, you know, I'm going to use different words. Just don't overthink this. It's, it's your to-do list, your get-done list. I need to take care of list. Just you know, you know, if you want to keep it away from the kids, don't show them per se, but just start making a list. Just, you're going to use this. Just start making a little list down the left just quickly. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to take care of this. I got to, take, I got to buy that. I got to, just make your list, okay? Everybody make a list on the left-hand side that is your, uh, you know, I call it, what am I going to call it? Christmas to-do list. You've got things to do before, you know, December 24th. I got to get this stuff done. 
I need to take care of. This is on my mind. Just write it down. If you need another program, we'll get it to you. Double up. Just no, I'm kidding. You don't. You don't need. Just get as much as you can on that left hand side. Okay, everybody take your sheet of paper that you've written on. Just set it to the side. Turn it over. You're not going to need it for the next few moments. I'm going to walk us through our, our, our Advent candles. And I'm going to do this very quickly. You know, this tradition varies. Uh, many of you may do it differently at home. Uh, Advent means coming. It's, it's the coming promise. We're preparing our hearts because Jesus is about to be born. And we light these candles. I'll go through the way we do it you know, at, at church. And again, you can do it differently. But the first candle that we light is generally we're going to light the candle of hope. The candle of hope. Uh, we go to some Old Testament readings as we light these candles, mindful that they were, they were over here. You see them moving this way. They were waiting for, they had hope. Uh, we can go to this passage in Jeremiah, which should help, it should help us that we were just in Ezra. Because Jeremiah is prophesying in the times of Ezra. So you've got to put yourself, you know, we, we were just there last week, finished. Put yourself in the mind of the Jews in captivity and their position. And again, I'll go here, their lack of possibilities. It's not going to happen. It's over. It's done. Jeremiah prophesies in those days and says in Jeremiah 33, 14 following, when behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word. I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause the righteous branch of David to spring forth from David line. Some One's going to come forth, and he shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. Again, you've got to put yourself in the position of the exiles. There was no safety. Jerusalem was gone. But God gives what? A promise. And he says, I'm going to do this. And hope is more but never less then confidence, God's going to keep his word. 
That's the core hope. Second candle we light in the Advent season is the candle of peace. The candle of peace. It reminds us that, you know what? I'm not at peace with everybody. And they're not fully at peace with God. Isaiah speaks of the one who's coming who will make peace possible. Very familiar passage, Isaiah 9. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of what? Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Trust me, when Isaiah spoke these words to the nation, they were not at peace. But God gives what? A promise, one's coming, who will make peace possible. Hope is more but never less than confidence. God is going to keep his word. The next candle we light during Advent is the candle of love. The candle of love. Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah. Uh, In the midst of what you read his book, his prophecy, it's a scathing condemnation for their unfaithfulness. How does Micah end those words from God? Micah 7.18 says this, Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because because he delights in unchanging love. So in the midst of this condemnation, you understand, Micah reminds them by word of a promise of God's character that at the very core of God is love. Didn't feel like love to them. But all God's actions, motivated by, flow from pure love. Hope's more than, it's never less than, confidence that God will keep His word. Peace. Love. And finally, we light the candle of joy. The candle of joy. Zephaniah spoke and when he did, he actually used this phrase more than any prophet. The day of the Lord. Day, capital D. This is a bad day. This is the day of, the, this is the day of judgment. It's coming doom. Yet in the midst of this terrible message, Zephaniah says, Shout for joy. O daughter of Zion, shout in triumph, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy, and he will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Now, when he spoke this, he wasn't speaking about that moment. Speaking about what's to come. Joy. That there would come a day when they and he would, would, would live under shouts of rejoicing and joy. And so, again, hope is more but never less than the confidence, you know what? God is going to keep his word. 
hope, peace, love, and joy. Now, the nation of Israel, I'm going to kind of graphically picture this. Imagine times moving from past toward the future. You know, they were on this side of that hope. He's coming. The one who's going to make possible peace. The one who's going to make possible love and joy, our hope, it's future. And in Advent, that's where we stand with them, sit with them, and anticipate and long for this day when Messiah will be born. Now, you and I, we actually stand, in a sense, on this side. Facing this way. You see, because the root of the branch of Jesse, the Messiah, he's in our rear view, so to speak. He's come. He's come. And so we have, I don't know if I can say it this way, but we have, a, we have in a sense, a greater certainty of hope, peace, Love and joy. I mean, it's historical fact. He's come. Here's the key. We have a greater certainty. But do not confuse certainty with fullness. It's not the same. Oh, yes, he's come. Oh, yes, there's peace with God and others. There's there's love, genuine, real. There's joy that's untouched by circumstances. That's certain. But can I remind y'all, it's not full yet. Can I remind us, there's more to come. Theologians describe it like this. You see, we, we live in these days between his first coming... And his second coming. When he came the first time, you know, Jesus says the kingdom is near, the kingdom is now. This is a theological term which will save you tremendous angst. Just lock this away. The kingdom is now, but also the kingdom is not yet. Now and not yet. And so when we come to Christmas, which by the way, I think Christmas is that season of year when our expectations so outstrip reality, we're left with that massive gap we call disappointment. And there's a part of that that's not a bad thing. Because it reminds us it's not over. The best is yet to come. See, anybody else, you know, 3 o'clock on Christmas Day, put everything away? You sit there? Anybody else sit there at some level and go, is that it? You know? Okay, well, how many? 365 more days. (laughs) And this is where I I, I want to say that the, 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 the early church did not, I don't think, struggled in the way that we did. They did something, I think, that... They did something much better than we do that makes me reflect upon the Gospels and the letters themselves. Think about this. You look at the Gospels, uh, and you look at how much ink's committed to the first coming. How much much do they talk about the birth narrative, so to speak? Matthew's 28 
chapters long. You know how much space Matthew gives to the birth narrative? Eight verses. Luke, which we'll read Christmas Eve, you may read at home. I mean, that's the most familiar uh, you know, birth narrative story. You know, Luke's 24 chapters took us two years to get through the whole book. He gives 20 verses to the birth narrative. You do know that Mark wrote his gospel and didn't give any. <laughs> he didn't mention the birth narrative. And you do know that John, when he wrote his gospel, he went cosmic Christ. <laughs> you know, before the world he was, the word, the truth... And it's not to say that, you know, they had reasons for what they wrote, but it's not to say that it, they didn't say it wasn't, wasn't important. But go into the New Testament letters and you see as well, they, they, so much spent not on his first coming, but it seems they just spent a lot of time on his second coming. It, again, it's not a value judgment. One's more important. No, they both matter. But if I could say it like this, they, they seem, it seems to indicate this. Don't separate the two. Don't hold to the one and forget the other one's coming. They're both required. And here's what I'm saying. When you can hold both of them in the Advent season, it's awesome. It's hard. But I can hold them both. Because he came and he's coming again. And Christmas, y'all, let's just face it. It often reminds us of what we don't have. It often reminds us of what we've lost. It often reminds us of what's missing, what's wrong. And no present under that tree is going is to satisfy that. Can I say this? Even his first coming doesn't fully satisfy that. You do understand. That awaits a day in the future when he comes again. And you see, when he comes again, don't miss this. Do you know when he comes again, we won't even need hope? Why? Because peace, love, and joy are complete, full, final. No more death. No more dying. No more. This is where we're going. Don't make the mistake that the Jews made in Christ's day, wherein, you know, they read Zephaniah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they, they, Malachi, they read all those. And here's what, here's what happened, you see. They. It's like this. It's like if I held my fist up here and I put my other fist behind it, I'm going to tell you something. Right now, I see one fist. I just see one. How many do you guys see? How many do you see? Well, you're mistaken because I see one. How many do you guys see now? Well, I only see one. You see, they knew he's coming. But they, they, they couldn't reconcile that there's a gap between the first and the second. Peter addresses this. 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12. He says, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. Malachi, Zephaniah, Isaiah. They were, the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating he's coming. 
seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted, watch this, as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. The sufferings and the glory to follow. The sufferings, he came. Big gap of time, at least 2014 years and counting. And the glories that followed, that's coming. And so let's stand with our Old Testament brothers on this side of history. And in Advent, we anticipate, we long, we prepare our hearts for that day. Christmas Day, we celebrate. He came, he was born. But keep it like this. Advent's not just about his first coming. It is also a preparation, a reminder, a longing for his second coming. And so we do stand this side of history of Christ's coming, but we go, he's coming again. And we dare not separate the two. Now I want you to take your program that you wrote on, or the sheet of paper, and I asked you to write some things on the left-hand side that you go, i got to get this done. And, and in a you know, very real sense for us, it's kind of like, because Jesus is coming. He, he was gonna be, he's, we're going to celebrate his birth. Now, I want you to look at this. this is some, I just want you to keep this through these holidays. You're not going to finish this, but I want you to do this. I want you to start the thought process on this. I want you to take a minute right now, and I want you to move... Anything on the left-hand column, okay? Anything that's on the left-hand column that's going to matter a hill of beans, that's going to have any value, that's going to count when he comes again. I want you to move it to the right-hand side. Is there anything on the left-hand side that you're going to move over to the right-hand side because it really matters when he comes? I want you to think about it. Just look at your list and think about it. Take a moment and do that. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. If you're 13 and under, you're thinking, Mr. Shadrach just ruined Christmas. <laughs> Nothing is moving over. Nothing. Or some of you go, you know, Lloyd, that was a little radical or whatever. I, I'll only say this. You know, it's just an exercise. It's just a way to think about. In the current that we live, in our cultural current, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to take some radical thinking to go against that current in this season. Because I think Christmas has been hijacked. I mean, it's been hijacked, and you know, it's all about that. And that's not a bad thing, right, that he's come. But as believers, you understand, we celebrate he came. And he's coming again. I mean, equally. And between the now and the not yet, right, we can hold that tension of, this is great. I'm hurting still. Yeah. Because there's something still to come. Hang on to that through the season, if you, if you will. Reflect upon it. I'm going to ask you to stand now. I'm going to conclude in this way. I want you to uh, sing. We're going to sing our benediction. I'll say one more comment at the end. Jason's going to lead us. And we are going to sing this uh, 
this hymn carol that we sing at Christmas, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And what I want you to do is I'm going to ask you in these moments, listen, there's nowhere else to be but right here, right now. We're going to be gone in five minutes. There's nowhere else to be right now. I want you to be fully, and invite you to be fully vested in the words to this hymn. Because it's beautiful. It's, there's a, I want you to feel the yearning and the longing. And yes, it's come as in send the Messiah the first time. But also hear the thread of yearning that's pointing to his second coming. It's in there. You see, when they came out of exile, when God brought them out of exile, let me tell you what happened to them when they came out of exile, ended up in Jerusalem. They all died. They all got sick. Because we await for the final and full return from exile when he comes again and makes all things new. Let this mournful song, this yearning hymn, guide us even in this Advent season. Come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put.
You know, our New Testaments don't end with a word of celebration, per se. The New Testament ends with a word of longing. John records Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things, Christ says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen, John writes. Come, Lord Jesus. We're talking about he came. You understand he's talking about come to set all things right. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. God bless.